listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBT plus adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor, and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Stuart and Simon and talking about adopting siblings. Hi, guys. Hello. Hiya. Thank you so much for joining us. It sounds like you've had a very interesting lockdown. Do you want to tell me a bit, sort of rewinding, about how you met and how you decided to adopt? Oh, um, how we met a long time ago. We, we had our first date in a harvester, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which was the, the uh, embodiment of luxury. And so we've, we've been together for 10 years and we, we've been talking about adoption for a while but it wasn't quite right for us we got married just over five years ago hmm. and then we, we started talking more about adoption but simon was was busy with uh, university we didn't quite live in the right place that we thought we wanted to bring children up in so we wanted to get those two things sorted and then we went to actually two information evenings mm-hmm. and it because we, we were still gathering information, weren't quite sure when and, and um, how. Um, and it was in the second information evening that we sort of decided that we were going to move forward. Um, big, big decision. We were, we felt we were in, that we'd got the jobs we wanted. Yeah. And we'd got, we were living in a place we wanted to be. So th- those were important things for us. Was it always going to be adoption for you or did you consider other routes to parenthood? I, th- I think we, we did consider other routes. Um, we looked into various options, um, but ultimately we felt adoption was the right route for us. We have lots of friends within our support group who are adopters themselves. And I think having talks with them and listening to their stories made it more sort of like, that that adoption was right for us. Yeah, we, we we believe that we can help our kids mm. be the best that they can be mm. and be the happiest and safest that they can be. So it just it felt felt right to to move forward with it. And what was it about that second information evening that cemented the decision that wasn't at the first information evening? I, I think for me, it was one of the talks that they actually said. We we were sat there and I think it was just purely for my sheer sheer stubbornness. I remember them turning, we, we had someone who'd adopted a sibling group and their story was just amazing. And we thought, yes, we can do that. But then they started talking about sort of like BMIs and stuff like that. And they turned around and said, you know, you have to have a particular BMI if you want to be able to adopt. And I looked around the room and put my hand up and said, so that completely wipes out the entire room then because you're all saying we're too fat. <laughs> and because my sheer stubbornness, I thought, no, I'm not having someone tell me I can't adopt, so we're going to adopt. I'm really surprised that they said that because it used to definitely be said a lot, mm. but it seems to be being said a bit less. So, yeah, I'm quite surprised that that was said. It was good that you didn't just rule yourselves out, I guess. You know, if you thought, well, I'm above that weight. Yeah, and and, and we, we did do things to address that, mm. you know, but we, we know that BMI isn't the be-all and end-all of, of a healthy lifestyle. And, exactly. And so you know, we, we just thought we don't want to let things get in our way 
I think one of the things about adoption is you need to be resilient and you need to keep mm. you need to keep going. It, it, it's not an easy process. I know no. it's easier than it used to be, but it's not mm. easy. So you, you, you have to have that resilience to get through it and the determination, I think. And, and I think the other thing as well is the information evenings, they kind of made it sound, they, they briefly touched on the harsh realities of what your journey is going to be like, if that makes sense. And you know, some, sometimes what they give on the information evenings is not actually what you're going to face in reality. So we kind of, although the information evenings was great for us, when we started actually doing the journey for real, it was like that, that was, don't remember that being said. And I, you know, your emotions and your thought process is completely all over the place throughout the entire journey. Yeah. So what do you think? could have been said at the information evening that would have been really useful to you back then well that that's a great question and I <laughs> thanks really, yeah I, I don't really know the answer I, I think I think there's a balance between giving people information and not putting people off mm. um and 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 actually I think we nearly got put off after the information evening because we had a our first social worker visit which felt quite confrontational um why do you want to do this? Do you think you can do it? It felt very questioning. Mm. Um, and then, and then as we moved into stage one, it still felt a bit like we were being tested a lot. And it's, it, so the whole process has felt like you've, we've been more supported the further through it that we've got, which is probably right because they need to, to weed out people. And, and we know people who were on some of our initial courses mm who found it too tough and, and left yeah. for, for whatever reasons they had. But we, we, once we'd got to, to the end of the process, we were really fortunate in our stage one social worker was the same one who is still with us now. But we've, we've got, she she knows us and more about us than any person in the world. And, and that's the frightening thing. But but she's also really supportive and, mm. and we've got a, a good relationship with with the team, actually. And it's it's... It, it, build, it just builds through the process, I think. Yeah, I can recognise that, actually, that some of the real horror stories came up front. And I've always wondered about the wisdom of that, because I do understand why they have to be honest about what things can be like and that it can be challenging. But I'm sure there must be people who would make excellent adopters or foster carers who walk away at that first bit. And I just, I don't know. I don't know whether that's the right thing to do or not really. We wonder that ourselves at New Family Social when we do information sessions about could you adopt or foster. We want to say the breadth of what it's like. And so it can be amazing. It can be tough. It can be challenging. It can be fun. It's how you put that across, isn't it, in a way that's kind of balanced. It is. And, and I think that it, it, it is that really challenging piece. But it, it's about, for me, a, a, a people who, who have children through birth, do not get subject to the same scrutiny. Mm. Birth parents don't have to have a credit report done. You know, they <laughs> don't have to have so, all, all of that paperwork done. So it feels like we're held to a higher standard. Yeah, and I think for me, I got the impression during the process that that standard was perfection. And I now yeah. know it's not. But I think we treated lots of those questions like 
job interview questions and we were thinking right what is the perfect answer to this mm. rather than an answer that admitted flaws and things like that yeah and I'd say actually one of the things that you need to do is be really honest with yourselves and your social workers as you go through the process because and you can't you can't fool them no it's not worth it, it it's like it's like going on to a reality tv program and trying to be something you're not you, you know <laughs> days you're, you're gonna fail with that and and it, and it's like what what um Stuart was saying the 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 whole the whole process is not is you, you have to be prepared and this is something we wasn't prepared for for your life to be put in black and white in front of you um and that and that was the most not not sh not shocking thing but it was like you know your whole life is literally laid out in front of you on on paper and it's and we we knew from the beginning that if we kept something from them you know we had to have social media checks we had to have like uh Stuart was saying credit checks our house was looked into you know there there wasn't a stone left unturned and and, and I, I remember when we finally got through and we'd got the PAR, the, mm. the prospective adopter report, I printed it off at work and started reading it at work on a Friday lunchtime. Big mistake. Because um, <laughs> I was sat at my desk like crying, reading some of the stuff. Oh. Because it, yeah. and, and you don't realise how how much they're listening to you sometimes mm. and interpreting yeah. what you're saying. And, and, and they're good at their job. Mm. They, they, they get it right in terms of understanding you. And so you then obviously got approved as adopters and then you went on to looking for the right child or children. And I know that you went on to adopt siblings. So can you tell us how you decided that siblings might be the way to go and what thought processes you went through with that? <sighs> we, we had a lot of conversation about it. I think there was a driver in me because I am one of two. Um, and, uh, and I think that there's a there's a there's always a bond back to who the kids are in siblings mm. when we sat down and said what what's our perfect family you know you go through the exercises you're going through the process about naming your your perfect children and coming up with a completely utopian version of what you think <laughs> would be and and it was it was always two for us wasn't it we we, we had yeah. conversations about one or we, we never went more than two but it was there was also a if you're gonna do it just do it once and and bring your create your family in one swoop if you know what I mean yes but I know I know it sounds very strange but everything that we've done like when it comes to and I'm not saying our children are pets but whenever we've bought pets it's always been pairs we've never done anything singular Right. <laughs> so it was just a natural because our whole family is based around pairings. Mm. It was just a natural. Yeah, my sister's got two kids. Yeah, our really good friends next door have got two kids. It's it's always it was always going to be a pair. Yeah, but I, I I know people who have adopted one have said that they don't understand how we've done it, and there are times when we look at each other and we go, we don't quite understand how we've done we it. <laughs> But it's it's we we also knew that it's harder to place siblings and it's yeah. harder to place older siblings. So we knew we were we potentially limiting our choices because there may have been fewer of them. Yeah. But also they were the 
the children who were probably in the biggest need of finding a forever family. Mm. Yes, I can see that. And I can see that it sounds like it was your starting point and then just continued to fit. Were you worried about any of the concerns that people raise, though, about adopting siblings together? I think it's easy sometimes to think that it's always the right thing. But I guess you did research into that it isn't always the right thing for the kids. Yeah. And, and, and when you it, it's interesting when you look at uh, children's together or apart report, they were actually originally supposed to be placed apart. But it was the foster carers who said, no, these kids need to be together. And when you, you know, that first, the first time we met them, that they were looking out for each other and talking to each other. And, and our, our daughter had got, had had her face painted and she, she sought out her brother to say, you know, look at this, look at, look at the butterfly on my face. And he was so engaged with it. Mm. It was, it was one of the things that, that melted our hearts to them. And, and I think the other thing as well is you can you can read too much. You know, there, there's there's so much literature and research out there to that that aims to help you make a decision, and some of it is really frightening uh, and can easily put you off. But ultimately, like, like me and Stuart, we we felt we had a really strong, loving relationship, a strong support network who would be there for us and we felt that irrespective of what we've read it it would still work for us and that that's really key your support network is massive when you're adopting siblings massive yeah and and i think that it's been it's it's been challenging but it it was about what was what felt right and and doing the research finding Mm. stuff out but bringing your own interpretation to it yeah yeah I can see that I think some of the literature is really terrifying because of course it does talk about worst case scenarios it talks about I don't know just it it feels quite hard sometimes to digest that and then assess risk and of course the risk of something might be 10%. But if you're in that 10%, that's your life then until Mm. that child's an adult. So it's just really hard, I think, to take that leap. And I guess eventually you hold your breath and leap. Yeah, and and, and that's what we did. And so so we we went to um, an activity day that had quite a few children and adoptive parents, which felt really weird because it felt like you were in competition with the others there looking at the children but he had the opportunity to play it. And, and we, we'd actually gone with the intent of looking at another sibling group and it just didn't, we didn't connect with them at all. Did it? It, was, no. it was really challenging, but we, we, we didn't stumble across these two that, that have ended up with us as, as our children, but you know, we, we spent time with them and, and it was, that it was just it felt there was something in the connection that they felt right there were a lot there were quite a few other sibling groups there, there, there was quite a few other sibling groups and i think for the the two that we eventually adopted it it was i i i, I don't know how to explain it to, to your listeners but we went as Stuart was saying we went to go and see two others and there was just no there was no emotional contact. There was no emotional connection. As soon as we saw our two, straight away, it there there was just something pulling us mm. straight away. It, it's really 
difficult to put into words. And and that was that was the last thing we did before lockdown started, yeah. wasn't it? So it was it was it was fortuitous that we were able to do that. Absolutely. How did it feel to say no about the children that you didn't connect to? It was tough because I think I think that the children's social worker thought we've found someone mm. for these. Um, and then we actually ended up having to go, or we, we went to a sibling workshop then the following week and the children's social worker was there and she was asking us if we thought it through properly and, and were we really sure we didn't want them. So it felt like there was a bit of pressure there, mm. didn't it? But we had to do what was right for us and, and we knew that that we we didn't have the skills to help them. I think you have to be honest with yourselves in that way, don't you? And you have to say no if it's not right, as hard as that is. Yeah, and and I think it's identifying your your limitations. So if you really want siblings, don't just adopt siblings because you want siblings. You need, you know, you need to read a lot into the the children's reports and stuff like that. And when when you if you meet the children for the first time, like we met these these first two. We, we just knew straight away that as much as we would want to adopt them, we wouldn't be the right family for them. We wouldn't be able to offer them that level of support that they that they really deserve and need. And we would not be it would not be fair to them to place them with us just because we want two children. Yes. And you're right. It's got to be the right two, hasn't it? Mm. Not just any yeah. two. Yeah. So tell me about the children that you did adopt. So when we had our approval panel for adoption, we went to the office and Stuart is very good at reading upside down. And <laughs> our kids' names was written next to ours. Um, so we obviously started looking and looking them up and, you know, it, it's perfect. And I think the first... When when we kind of started doing introductions and stuff like that, it was just there. There was just something there, and and I never forget the first time we saw them, and they they came running to us. It 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 was. It, it's really difficult to. It was it was just this is it. The, these are our two, and from the first time we saw them. We we just knew that this this was our forever family. You know, they they was just it, it's it's hard to explain. Yeah. So so our, our son is uh, now six. He was five when we started introductions, and our, our daughter's three. They both have the most amazing smile that mm. like, lights up a room. Yeah. And remarkably, they have the most amazing manners. Mm. And pleases and thank yous, and they they've just got. I I know that. The peanut is is a real character in school. Everybody knows who he is, hmm. um, mostly for good reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but but he, he's he's they've got such characters and personalities, um, and and it, it's it's just heartwarming. Obviously, we have our moments with them. Yeah, but it's that they. they 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 light up wherever they are. People fall in love with them straight away. It's it's Piglet, our little girl. You know, everyone loves her at nursery. It's just like they—they they all want to take her home, and it's you know they—it's they. they um, you know, call us biased, 
but they are the most amazing children. And we look at other children when we go to school and we're just like, yeah, we, we've already gone into that parent competition mode, you know. <laughs> I, I take the kids to school and I think my kids are better than anyone, you know. It's, we're, we're already there, you know. Yeah, I've been there. My child in the nativity play was the best by such a long shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so how have you both been since they were placed with you? It must be quite a thing to go from no children to two children on a single day. Yeah, and, and it was really bumpy tour. The so so introductions happened over not full lockdown, but we there were social distancing measures. We were not supposed to hug the children. Right. Um which lasted for the first twenty minutes. Um <laughs> we, we we were supposed to wear masks in the foster carers' house, but the foster carers were really good. Um, and we effectively formed a bubble across the two households um, yes. because they wanted to do the right thing for the children. I think, I think you can't underestimate the value of brilliant mm. foster carers. Mm. Um, and and so introductions were going well, um, but it, it was challenging because we had to take them out all quite quickly on full days out and so on. Um, and so they they brought forward the day that they were moving in. And it was all going pretty well until bedtime. And <laughs> it is no understatement to say that at bedtime, our son destroyed his bedroom. There were there were things on the walls that came off. He was throwing toys. He just, he was not in a good place. And the foster carers were with us at our house. And then they went, they went to a local hotel and we had to ask them to come back. We got to 11 o'clock that night. And we were ringing up our social worker saying, what do we do? And we'd got four grown adults and none of us thought to take him out of the bedroom and sit him somewhere else to talk to him because you're just yeah. so in the situation. Mm. And it turned out he was hungry. Food is a little bit of a trigger for Well, not a little bit. It's a big trigger for mm. him. He hadn't eaten very much during the day because he'd been so excited. And as we've been talking to him since, he talks about how scared he was yes. on that day. And he, he didn't believe it was forever and for, for real. So so we had some real challenges for the first three nights mm. um, and then it started to settle. Conversely, our, our daughter, six o'clock, put her in bed, goes to sleep. She wakes up six o'clock the next morning. Yes. Um, so we we definitely did not have a honeymoon period with mm. our son, mm. which in retrospect and hindsight was, was good because we weren't lulled into a false sense of security mm -hmm. that he that he felt safe and secure because it's going to take him a long time to feel safe and secure. I think we had, we had a bit of a honeymoon period with our daughter in that she was very much more compliant. Mm. We've never had anything to the same scale with her, but after a couple of months, she started to come out of herself more, be more demanding and be more questioning of things, which is great because her personality is coming out, but it, it's, it, it was it was probably an easy ride with her at the start. Yeah. And now it's a proper ride, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I think that's one thing to for your listeners. When when we you go on the training courses, they prepare you for the two week honeymoon period or however they will word it. They will say yes. you will have a honeymoon period before things go bump. Um for us things went bump like Stuart was saying on the first night and that made our resilience more stronger 
And and being frank, we had moments when we thought we couldn't do it. Yeah. But those moments have become less and less, and I don't think we've had one of those for months. Because no. we know how to deal with the children now. And and I think it's it's quite it's it's about us. We 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 have to talk a lot, don't we? Mm. And that that's the key. And I think the other thing is we have to reflect on how far we've come. So they've been with us for seven months, and mm. and it is it's sort of night and day compared to day one to today. And and we have we have fun and we enjoy life mm. with them now. Not saying we didn't do that the first, at the start, but but there was a little bit of a knife edge sometimes we felt like we yes and like any any parents we will have days where we will be like at weekends we'll be sitting in the front room and the kids are literally running around the house screaming shouting fighting with each other and it's like eight months ago we would probably be in a nice restaurant having a lovely meal you know and watching the world go by but now we're sat here and there's two kids round our ankles screaming and shouting. But we would not change it for the world. We would not change it. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I became a parent with a birth child first. But that really surprised me as well was the unendingness of parenthood. You mm. can't put them on pause ever. No. And they need no. you all the time. And and I just kept thinking, when do we lay on the sofas and watch Columbo or something? You know, I don't I don't understand when we do that anymore. And the answer is, yeah, you don't do that anymore. Yeah. I've, I've said to people at work, because they ask how, how it's going. And, and I, I feel like it's Groundhog Day sometimes. You, know, you get up. And when that music for Peppa Pig starts first thing in the oh. morning, I think, here we go again. Oh, um, God, I hated Peppa Pig so much. <laughs> Well, like I've seen every episode, but our, our daughter loves it. Yeah, well, I know. And then you end up watching it, don't you, endlessly? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think the, the other thing that's been really not what we had anticipated is having done it when you can't physically see your support network. Mm. People have been great on the phone, mm. but we just, it, it is always the four of us. And, and I'm, it's great to have the family time, but, mm. but you, it is always the four of us. We've been really lucky that the kids are in school, but you know we 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 can't go and play with with their uncles and aunts, and we can't even really play with the kids next door. Our kids need to learn to socialise more with other children, and mm. we that's something we can't really give them at the moment, other than when they're at school. So that we're not able to address everything at the moment, but also, mm. you know, we're not able to have somebody come over and just play with them upstairs for an hour while we just sit down for five minutes. Mm. Yeah. So it, it's it's been additionally tough with us for us through this, mm. hasn't it? Mm. I agree. And the support network on the phone is great because you can talk to people and moan about it and celebrate things. But it's not the same as actually having them support you physically. Yeah, and I guess that neither one of you can pop out for a coffee with a friend either, can you, at the moment? So even just escaping each other one at a time or whatever is really hard. No, I mean, we, we one the other day we went to Asda together. Yeah, that, that was exciting. <laughs> you are living the dream. Yeah. We are living the dream. <laughs> also balancing work, me me working from home. Uh, yeah. Simon's still on an adoption leave for another few weeks, but it's going to change again and, and in the next couple of weeks. And 
and we know that change doesn't work well for the kids. They're mm. not they're not good with change. At school, if they change the play corner slightly, we have a bad day at school. Yes. You know, so, so we have to. We've got all of that playing on at the same time. Mm. So yeah, as we were recording this, we're a couple of days away from whole school being back, and we've we started preparing Peanut for that a week ago, talking to him about. Mm. Some of your friends are going to be coming back. The class size is going to get bigger. You're going to start to do some different things again. Be back. So you, know, we, you have to have that constant look forward as to what's going to change soon and, and how can we talk about it and, and bring it to and, forefront. And I think that's what makes um, parenting siblings, especially through, through adoption, is can be quite challenging sometimes. You know, both me and Stuart are part of siblings and you know if we had a problem it was quite self-explanatory we had a problem our parents would deal with it and discuss it with us with with Alto, they have their own way of identifying that they have a problem and it's trying to get into their mindset sometimes and and try and dig Deep to find out what's what's going on with them, what's troubling them. That that sometimes has been really, really challenging because we're having to use pace, even though sometimes we feel pace is a bit challenging. Challenging, but also trying to communicate with a six-year-old and a three-year-old, trying to understand their emotions. That sometimes has been really, really challenging and draining. And it's 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 easier to get to the nub of things with mm. the six year old because he's able to rationalise and think a bit more. Mm. Three year old, it's like, wh- why did you do that? Being curious, why did you do that? Because I, I want, because I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, that's not what we're trying to get to, but it's it's <laughs> it's been that that that's that's difficult. And and I think there's an element of light sort of trauma bond between mm. the two of them, um, but. Again, it's one of the things that we had to to read up on and, and understand. Mm. It's it's not big and massive, but um, the, the, you know that the, they are each other's security, and 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 so they they look to each other for everything, but they also wind each other up a hell of a lot. It sounds overall though, like through difficult circumstances with lockdown and so on, that you've actually done incredibly well really it sounds like you've ridden out the bumps you've um got to a point where your children are with you and beginning to expand into their new lives and things which is incredibly impressive i'm just wondering if you could travel back in time to the start what sort of advice would you give yourselves so for for me if we was to be placed in this exact same scenario do some research within the local area i.e what is out there for kids to do because when the kids came here we suddenly realized we know one park where we live (laughs) and we have two children that need to run and explore and we didn't know anything about what kids stuff was in our local area we thought we did we thought we did because we knew where the swimming pool was and we knew where the theme parks were and you know mm. we knew where the, the stuff things... that we like yeah but we knew <laughs> we knew where the things that you you would traditionally go and play we didn't know about the places you can you can go and get outside and walk or run or build dens that are free and that are open in 
lockdown or mm. whichever version of lockdown we're in at the moment. So it was those sort of places we didn't have a handle on, wasn't it? It's, yes. where, where can you go just to get out of the house? You need to get out of the house. Yeah. And, and I think for us, the other thing as well is we wanted the children to feel loved as soon as they came here. So we did the biggest mistake, which everyone was saying, telling us don't do, but we had all the toys in the kids' bedrooms. Um, and for our son, when he arrived in his room for the first time and saw all these new toys or toys that had been given to us, they was the first ones to get trashed and broke because it was just too much for him. Mm. So for us, um, our daughter was fine, but we would say less is more in, in the kids' bedrooms. And and don't forget that the kids come with stuff. Yeah. So don't fill up the whole room because they've got their own things and things that give them security. Mm. So, so I, and I, I've seen pictures of people going, you know, on, on Instagram and things, people going, to, to panel or getting ready and getting excited and I completely understand it and I think you've got too much in there <laughs> you're going to overwhelm yes. them yeah. so I think, and I think the other sort of personal bit of advice or not, not advice but reflection is just talk to each other and, and, and reflect and be open to the fact that you're not going to be okay sometimes because we're not always okay no. all the time and it's it's been you know there, there have been times when I've I've walked into you in the kitchen and just held you and started mm. crying for mm. feels like no reason, but it's you know the pressure of lockdown and the kids and work and everything comes together and and, and it's not been easy. And I think it's looking after yourselves as well. The first two months, we was rubbish at looking after our own health and well being. So our priority was the kids need food, the kids need drink. The kids need this. The kids need that. Oh, hang on. When was the last time I'd actually drunk some water? I haven't had anything yeah. to eat today. We'd go out for a, a walk and we'd take the bag with the kids' things. They need a snack. They need the water. And we'd get around and there was nothing for us. <laughs> yeah, and and so, so there is that. Yeah, look after yourself. You look after yourselves as well. Yeah, I think that's really, really good advice. Thank you so much, both of you, for talking to me. I'd like to thank my guests today, Stuart and Simon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at LGBT Adopt Foster and on Facebook, search New Family Social, all one word. Visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next week with more guests and more tea.